Hi there, I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spot Doctor Podcast. On today's podcast, we're covering positive psychology and ways to love your stress. My guest is Dr. Joanne Yanez, who is the Executive Director of the Association of Accredited Naturopathic Medical Colleges and the Chair of the Academic Collaborative for Integrative Health. Dr. Yanez oversees research, advocacy efforts, and the joint academic endeavors of the accredited colleges of naturopathic medicine. She also helps spread awareness of naturopathic medicine as a viable and satisfying career path. Dr. Yunez lives in Southern California with her husband and son and enjoys music, dancing, eating good food, and belly laughs. So in today's interview, she shares her top stress management practices and the power of what she refers to as positive psychology. All of this is truly important right now as people have been under both physical and emotional stress during the pandemic. So please enjoy this interview. Dr. Yanez, it's so great to have you on my podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes. So we're talking today about stress and it's something that we all have and it's normal part of life. And it's certainly something that at this time during the pandemic that it's certainly even more prevalent because of the changes that we're all having to make in our lives. So um, tell us where, like, why is this so passionate for you? Why is this so important to you? Well, like you said, stress is endemic. Stress is always a part of our life. Sometimes stress is even a good thing. It motivates us. But as we've learned in naturopathic school, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Cates and I go a little way back, um, but we, you know, as we learned in naturopathic school, it all boils down to balance. And when you are out of balance, when stress is impacting your quality of life, when it's impacting your sleep, when it's impacting your relationships, that is a, that's a clue to us that we're out of balance and we need to do something. And so, you know, I think I always relate it back to the principles that we learned in naturopathic medical school, the foundation for our education, first do no harm, treat the cause, uh, treat the whole person. And stress is so core and how we manage and respond to stress is so core to our overall health that if, if that's off, a whole lot else can be off too. All right. I know some people say they don't have time to do stress management. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, you know, it's really funny. If you don't have time to take care of stress management, eventually it's going to make you. Um, that's just that's my own personal experience with myself and with patients that, you know, if, if you kind of keep putting, putting it away, putting it away, ultimately there's going to come a time where it gets so in your face that you can't avoid it. And can, like, give some, can you give an example of that? Because I mean, I've seen it in my practice. And I definitely know it, but just it's a good reminder for people to, to know what we see in our clinic. Sure. You know, so I, I had a patient who was having some family relation stuff. There was some dynamic going on with uh, parents and how they were interacting. And it had gone, you know, just under the rug for years and years and years. And in her 30s, it started manifesting as palpitations, as anxiety. And so, you know, this person came in and she was anxious and, you know, anxious about the heart palpitations because 
that's kind of going to get your attention when your heart's pounding in your chest for no reason. Uh, but ultimately, when we started to dig, or, dig deeper, there were all of these unresolved family issues that came to play. It was like, okay, you know, we need to talk about this. This is obviously disturbing and distressing, and let's figure out a way to resolve all of the stress that this family dynamic is playing and how it's playing out in your life. And it's so funny, as soon, you know, there, we have supplements, we have things that we can do for palpitations and anxiety, but the root cause was this underlying pain that this family dynamic was causing her. And until that was handled, the, the anxiety and the palpitations were still gonna be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've definitely seen that in my practice too. I, I remember a patient that um, she came to me with a number of, of health problems. And, and you know, of course I gave her the naturopathic approach and the, the naturopathic treatment. But one of the things that she said to me was, I hate my job. I, you know, I hate going to work every day. I hate, like, I can't stand it. And so I gave her the treatment protocol and I said, you know, just so you know, as a naturopathic doctor, I'm always looking for the underlying cause, address the root cause. And I really think that the biggest root cause that you have going on is your job. And, and so um, she actually, she never came back to see me. And I thought, oh, she didn't like what I had to say, whatever. And then forward, I think it was about three, four months, I ran into her at, you know, Park City's a small town. I ran into her at a holiday party and she came up to me. She, she just like came straight at me and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and she said, Dr. Chase, I want to let you know that after I saw you, I quit my job and my health returned to normal. I feel great and I'm so grateful for you. And I always thought I should call and let you know and I never did and so I'm so glad I, I ran into you to tell you that I didn't need to come back because I quit my job. <laughs> it's really funny, those things that sometimes seem inconsequential to us, you know, that's just part of how we would interact with a patient. We're just gonna say those things because it's so core to us. But it's interesting, because I've had those interactions with patients too, where they don't come back, or you don't really know the impact that you had in someone's life until much later, or sometimes you never know. And so for me, I think that that ultimate kindness, that helping is so vital that, you know, we just live our lives in this spirit of giving back and being helpful. And you never know who, who you're going to touch or how deeply you're going to touch them. Right. And I do want to comment that it's not like it's that easy to just quit your job, right? So no, no, sometimes that can bring on even more stress. Like, yeah. you know, there are many people right now that are out of work or underemployed um, because of the situation. They can't work safely. And I, I know I'm seeing the stressors in a lot of my friends and colleagues, and it, it's definitely a big deal. Um, but if, like you said, if that job or what is the root of that issue, and until you can get to that and figure it out, uh, that that is going to be there. You know, it's this, it's the the thorn in the foot. I always give the example of you know the the check engine light in your car, and there's you know you have this check engine light, and it means that you need to take your car in, but it's a symptom. It's just something that's telling you something is wrong and needs to get checked on. So you could unplug the, <laughs> the cord to the check engine light, or you could go and take your car in. And so, you know, naturopathic medicine is like going in taking the car in and getting to the root cause. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about what are some of your favorite things to do to, to, that you recommend to help with stress? Oh gosh, you know, there are so many. Um, but I think for me, you know, I, I talked about giving back. Uh, 
gratitude is one of them that I think is a little underrated. People are just starting to talk about gratitude. Um, I've been lecturing for, on positive psychology for years. And uh, are you, are, I, I know they didn't really cover positive psychology too much in my program. Um, it's come to light a, a much more lately. Uh, are you familiar with that term? And I don't, I don't want to assume that your, your listeners are. Why don't you go ahead and explain it to us so that we're, we're up to speed. <laughs> so positive psychology is basically the study of being happy. So in medical school, we learn all of the ways of diagnosing people who are ill. You know, what causes illness, what causes uh, disease and manifestation of that and symptoms. But positive psychology is the study of what makes us happy. What are the, the characteristics, the common thread of people who are happy and content in their lives? And what can we do to learn more about those things so that we can then foster uh, more positivity? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. So, you know, I just, it, it's very naturopathic in the way that it, it's focusing on the positive and cultivating wellness and health, mental health, um, rather than just, uh, you know, just an illness-based approach to healthcare and mental health. Um, and so for me, gratitude is key to that. Um, there's literature that supports, it mitigates stressors and improves quality of life. Uh, it can help strengthen our relationships and help our health. Um, there's growing research right now that it can be helpful and a host of uh, conditions like anxiety and depression and even heart disease and cancer. Um, and so, you know, I, when, when all of this hit, when the coronavirus first hit, you know, my work was incre increasingly stressful. Um, all of the naturopathic schools basically within a couple days time had to move everything online, um, close all clinics to conventional patient care uh, and, and basically take care of all of their communities. And so it was, it was really, there was a lot going on. Um, and at the same time, my husband, who's a hospital administrator, was working easily 12, 14 hour days. Um, and my son was home from school. And so I'm like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> I'm getting overloaded. <laughs> where's, where's my own practice? And so I started doing that with us. I, every night when I put my son to sleep, I said, okay, today we're going to think of three things that we're grateful for. And, uh, and I'm going to start because I need it just as much <laughs> as you do probably. And I started this and it really just set the intention of, okay, yes, this is awful and this is really stressful, but you know what, there, within all of this, there are some things that we can find that are good. And, and it was very, very intentional to do that every single day. Um, and I even had my son, he's, you know, just still learning how to write. And I said, here's a journal, start writing in it. It's just, you don't have to write a whole lot, but write down something. And, um, and so we just started that practice of incorporating gratitude and thankfulness. Um, and in my neighborhood, our neighbors started kind of getting together. I don't know how your neighborhood is, but folks were checking in on each other. Do you need anything? Hey, I got a grapefruit tree. Do you need some food? You know, I can, I can swap some grapefruits for something else you've got. And so we just started checking in on each other. And I was really grateful for that, for that support system, for friends and, and that compassion. And, and that gratitude is, is something that you can develop. It's like a muscle. You have to practice at it um, because we can easily go mentally dark if, we don't, if we're not careful and, and mindful of that. And so the second thing, so gratitude is one, mindfulness is the other. Um, and I think mindfulness is so core to 
our awareness of being able to address things. You know, mindfulness lets us tune in to our body and to our condition and to our surroundings and let us know how are we doing? Do we need to change anything? Is anything out of balance right now? Uh, and, you know, in, in the midst of, you know, being at my computer for lots and lots of hours, I started having some neck tension, like, all right, I need to check in. I'm going to, you know, what, what's different? What's going on? And I realized I was wearing my shoulders as earrings again. I'm like, oh, I haven't done that since medical school. <laughs> And so it was just, you know, it's like, where do we hold the tension? Everyone is different. And tension and stress is going to manifest in your life in different ways. And so for me, it was my traps and, and uh, my neck and my headaches all coming back. I'm like, okay, I got to tune in. And so I started being more mindful about my ergonomics and my computer, standing more at my desk rather than sitting down. And I took steps and it's gone. And so rather than, you know, going a whole course of needing medication for pain and all that kind of stuff, we, I, I allowed that mindfulness practice, you know, and I'm giving myself an example right now, but I allowed that to guide the next things that were going to happen. Um, and so those to me are very, very powerful. Uh, but there are so many others, like I know you know this, uh, you know, as an ND getting outside, uh, you know, and right now we have to be safe about getting outside. Uh, but if you have the ability to get outside safely and get some sun on your skin, uh, that's a really good thing. If you can get outside and sweat and move, that's another really good thing. Uh, I forced myself even in the midst of this to make sure that I put put in my garden and and I'll, I'll get out there every once, you know, a couple times a week and pull out weeds and sweat a little bit and it's, it's all good. So however that looks for you or your, your listeners, uh, it's really putting together the plan that keeps you sane and for everybody that's going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know that I'm, uh, I travel, I used to usually <laughs> travel a lot and I've always wanted to have a garden um, that I, you know, and I've, I've made attempts before, but it usually ends up dying because I travel so much. Um, and so right now I'm, I'm working on getting that going and I'm so excited. To, I'm, so I'm grateful for having that allowance of, okay, now I have the time and opportunity to, to actually do this. So yeah, being creative and patient, I think is, is certainly something to think about during this time, right? And being gentle with yourself too. I know that a lot of folks have that self-talk, the brain inside your brain that talks to you and says things that maybe not be so positive. And so part of that mindfulness, I think also is listening and, and being attentive to that self-talk and what's, what's your brain saying to you uh, when no one else is looking? You know, what's that inter, you know, inner dialogue that goes on and, you know, either puts yourself down or you didn't do a good enough job and all of that mental stuff. And so mindfulness isn't just about the physical symptoms, but it's also that, that inner voice too, and being mindful of if those types of things are trying to creep in. Right. Sort of like making an investment in your health. Um, and because like you, you know, you have to put some money into your bank account to keep it alive and you can pay your bills and all of that. It's, you got to do this for your health too, because it's, um, you have to kind of think ahead for things. Not it's not just right now. Which stress management, of course, helps in in the moment, but it's even more powerful for what it can do for the future, right? It is. You know, stress management and just being attuned to the impact. So we know physiologically, 
the stress hormones do a whole lot in our body. They, you know, it's fight or flight. It's the bear is chasing you in the woods and you need to go get safe. Uh, and so stress serves a purpose. Like I said earlier, there is, you know, there's good stress. There's, there's the good part of, you know, if you see a car is about to hit you, your heart starts pumping faster, it gets blood to your legs, you can run across that street and get, a, get to safety. Uh, but those same hormones, when they go overkill and they're used in a way that, you know, is too ongoing or too continuous, they're going to start to do damage to our body over time. So it is really important to be attuned to that stress and know, know your triggers, um, know the types of things that can uh, help you manage those triggers better or avoid them altogether. You know, some people like brought up that family, <laughs> family example. And, you know, some people have family dynamics that are very stressful. And sometimes it makes more sense to stay away from those or minimize those if they are going to be more detrimental to your health. Right. And yeah, it's not always possible to do that, but certainly it's about balance, right? And doing what you can. Um, and certainly coping mechanisms, um, you know, any suggestions on, you know, for people who are, especially if they're kind of forced to be with their family right now, and maybe they can't really get away, are there things that you can recommend that to help people sort of through that time? You know, that's a really great point. Uh, right now, I know we're starting to see some data coming out that there's, you know, increase in risk for domestic violence, increased risk for, uh, you know, verbal abuse and all of that right now. Um, and so, you know, I think all of the things that we can do under normal circumstances to, uh, to cope and to manage. So we talked about gratitude. We talked about journaling. Uh, social support is important. Having a network of people you can rely on. Uh, and then, you know, physical exercise. Uh, all of the things that you can do. Mindfulness practices, gratitude practices. Um, you know, I, I spoke maybe a month ago on a radio show. And uh, there was a big uptick in alcohol sales uh, when all of this occurred. And, uh, you know, they were starting to see, you know, a lot of increase in people relying on, on alcohol as a coping mechanism to, uh, to deal with what's going on here. And, you know, I think it's, again, it's an awareness of what are the positive coping mechanisms that you can rely on and what are some ones that may have detrimental effects. And so if you're being mindful and you're recognizing, oh, you know, I used to have a glass of wine like a couple times a week and now it's every night. Um, and is that a practice that I want to continue? And, you know, and check in with yourself and say, I don't know if that's a practice I want to continue. So how can I change that for myself? Like you said, you have to invest in yourself. And so if you're checked out on yourself, Nobody can do this for you. You know, this is the type of thing that, you know, we, we can, as naturopathic doctors, help patients and educate them to what's healthy and what, what can be a help for them, but we can't do it for you. And so that's when that investment in yourself kicks in. Yeah. So just, I mean, can you explain why drinking alcohol is not is is a negative coping mechanism i mean because i think it's big it's such cult a cultural thing to a big um uh you know a big factor of that is it's cultural and i but i think that there's it, it just becomes such a pattern for people that they don't really realize that it's a negative coping mechanism so can you talk to that a little bit sure so 
from, you know, from a biological perspective, alcohol turns into very readily available sugar. And so from, uh, you know, from a physiology perspective, you know, not even talking about the impacts on brain tissue and all of that, but just the basics, it's going to raise blood sugar, which if you're trying to manage weight, if you're trying to manage your hormones and all of that, is going to cause a challenge or can cause a challenge. Uh, it can impact our sleep cycle. Uh, there are so many different you know, physiology things that we learn about with alcohol and its metabolism uh, that it can impact. It, there's, uh, you know, greater impact in some cases on females than over on males, uh, just because of body mass and metabolism and, uh, and so on. And so, you know, when you think about coping mechanisms, your coping mechanism for a stressor shouldn't put more stress on your body. And so, you know, it should be the relieving of stress, not adding more to it. So if that coping mechanism for you, and I would venture, you know, I would even throw in excess exercise, excess anything. If that coping mechanism, too much shopping, too much whatever is, you know, it, if it's going above and beyond, if it's adding more stress, then it isn't an appropriate coping mechanism. And so, you know, that's the sort of thing that we should just be mindful of again, that mindful word, but you know, if that stressor is going to add more into the bucket, uh, you know, in the terms of stress on your body and on your system, then it probably isn't the best coping mechanism to be thinking of. I hope that that made sense. Yeah, it does. So, what what do you think is is too much alcohol? Just in general, like what? I mean, and I know this is it's you know, in part, it's a very personal thing, and it depends on the individual. But do you have like something you recommend to your patients of like try not to drink more than blank? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't make any recommendations, uh, you know, for folks regarding that. Uh, it's a very sensitive topic, you know, for some people with history of alcoholism, one drink is too much. So, you know, I think that, or with family histories, I, I've, I've had folks over the years who have family histories of alcoholism and they just prefer, you know what, I, I don't need that in my life. It's represented too much negative. And there are so many other good things uh, that I don't need to bring that into the situation. Um, you know, I think it, it's a personal check-in. Uh, and, you know, that's the type of thing that somebody should probably be checking in with their own practitioners to make sure that, you know, where they're at is good for them um, and their metabolism and where their body is at that time and, you know, their coping mechanisms and so on. You know, for some, per some, some folks that might be a drink or two a week, um, some folks that might be none. So, you know, I think it just very much is individualized. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so the positive coping mechanisms are more like you said, the gratitude, the mindfulness, getting out in nature, getting some exercise, but not overdoing it. I do do have some patients in Park City that, that have overdone it with exercise. There are people that just like go too hard. Um, so, and it can, it can have a negative impact on the body. Do you, since you mentioned that, what, I mean, again, is like, what is that tipping point? How do people know when it's, too much of a good thing has become a bad thing. That's, you know, that's a really good question. And I think it's, again, you know, not to be totally putting it off, but it is going to vary somewhat on the individuals and your age and your body health. Um, I think ultimately, if we go back to that point I made earlier, you know, if this is the type of thing that is uh, stressing, adding to the stress of your body, then 
it is, it's moved into more of the negative bucket. Uh, you know, some, some physical wear and tear is, is, you know, to be expected as we age um, with exercise and so on. Uh, but that, you know, that little tipping point is really going to be listening to your body and okay, you know, this running was fabulous. Running was a stress reliever. Uh, but now running is turning into my knees hurt every single time and I can't walk afterwards for a day. Now we need to start looking at, you know, okay, what, what is, what's the impact of this exercise? What is it maybe triggering or, or, you know, causing us to pay attention to maybe there are some other underlying issues that this is just, you know, bringing to the surface. And so I think for, for everybody, it's going to be somewhat individualized. It's going to depend on your conditioning. Uh, you know, there are extreme athletes. When, when I was in training, I had uh, the pleasure of working with uh, the team doctor for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Coyotes. And it was so much fun, but I remember standing in awe uh, of the physicality of what these folks were able to do. Uh, their, you know, their heart rates were at levels where, you know, I was standing with a cardiologist and he said, if you ever see this on anyone else, call 911 because this is not normal heart rhythm. Uh, but, you know, it was the sort of thing that I think it, it is going to vary somewhat on the person's athletic conditioning, on their age, on their, you know, underlying medical conditions and so on. But again, if something starts causing more stress and more strain, uh, that's your sign to maybe check in and say, is this really as good a thing as I thought it was? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this has been so fascinating talking about stress and anything else that you want to tell people about it, like where to start with stress management, if they're just trying to find, how do you, you know, cause you mentioned it's, it's something people have to tr kind of train themselves to do. Like the gratitude is something, especially like, you got to reprogram yourself. Any tips on kind of getting into that for people who it's kind of a new thing for? So on the AANMC website, I'm the executive director for the Association of Accredited Naturopathic Medical Colleges, and we have lots of blogs and tips and tricks for this. Um, but I always tell folks, start small. Don't, you know, don't tackle, you know, you don't tackle Mount Everest the first time you go hiking like this is you know this is the sort of thing that you have to build into it and you have to practice and so with gratitude you can start with just three things every day that you're grateful for it's pretty easy uh, it's pretty low-hanging fruit that's something most of us can you know can commit to doing uh, and the mindfulness practice that I like uh, personally I do it at night and so I will just kind of you know as I'm laying in bed getting myself ready for sleep um, it's just a real quick check-in and I start at my head and I start just kind of, you know, okay, scanning my body from top down. How am I feeling? What are my thoughts? What, what, am, I, what am I feeling in my body? And without judgment. And the judgment part is the most important part. So it's, it's not, oh man, I got pain in my neck. I'm such a dumb wad for, you know, not, not knowing about ergonomics and not listening to my own attention, my own, uh, my own advice, you know, it, 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 you, you banish all that judgment stuff. It's just listen, feel, scan without all the judgy stuff. Let that go. Um, and just, I, so what I'll do every night before bed is just kind of scan top to bottom. And the other bonus is that it starts to relax you so that hopefully you can go to sleep a little bit easier. Mm. Yeah. That's a great tip. I love that one. That's fantastic. Well, it's been so great having you on. Tell everybody where they can learn more about you and the association. Sure. So uh, I'm Dr. Joanne Yanez, and 
aanmc.org is our website. Uh, and we're also all over social media, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and so on. So check us out. And uh, if you are or any of your loved ones are interested in learning more about naturopathic medical school, like Dr. Cates and I did, uh, feel free to check out our website. We've got lots of information. We also host free monthly events on our website uh, on all different types of health topics like allergies and oncology, cancer and women's health and stress. Right, so even if you're not interested in becoming a student, there's still plenty of information yes. for the general yes. public yep. on the website. That's fantastic, I love that. And it's so funny, so you and I met while we were in Naturopathic Medical School, we were at different schools, but we were the first group to do the International Naturopathic what is that? Naturopathic Student Association. In IMSA. Yeah. And yeah. we had representatives from the different schools and we all met up in Canada at the Canadian school that was there and started brainstorming and how to help our, our colleges communicate better, right? It was. It, and I remember we had to send things by mail and that was... <laughs> <laughs> challenging. I think we probably would have had a lot more luck getting it off the ground with today's internet connectivity. <laughs> yes, definitely. This was 24 years ago, 23 years. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but it, it, that one didn't survive, but then it got revived and, and turned into something, something new. And I'm so glad that you're still involved in an aspect of this. So it's really fantastic. Thank you for all the work that you do. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on and for raising awareness uh, for patients and folks all over about how they can stay healthy naturally. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Yanez. And to learn more about her and the AANMC, the association that she was talking about, you can go to thespadoctor.com, go to the podcast page with their interview, and you'll find all the information and links there. And while you're there, I invite you to join the Spot Doctor community so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows and information. And if you haven't taken the skin quiz yet, you can go to theskinquiz.com. It's a free online quiz to help you figure out what your skin is. Is trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it. Just go to theskinquiz.com. I also invite you to join the Spa Doctor on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. And I will see you next time on the Spa Doctor podcast.